Good morning, everyone. And what a what a great day it is today, because uh, well, it's not just the weather that makes it a good day, is it? The fact that Jesus Christ loves us, right? And we belong to the family of God. So this morning, we're continuing on in our series, Cross Church Goes Fishing. Hey, have you ever gone fishing and, uh, and you caught a, a bad fish? Or maybe you caught something you didn't want to catch? My sister-in-law was talking to me about how she was. She cast her line out, and she actually caught a crayfish. It <laughs> caught hold of her bait, ate that up. Very annoying. Can't, can't, I guess you could eat a crayfish, but it really wouldn't satisfy you. Um, I, I just came up with a few things that people have caught, and this apparently is a very stinky fish. I have no idea what this fish is. Anybody ever heard of it? Uh, no? See, you're like me. That's... Uh, we Westerners really don't know our fish that well, but apparently it's a very, very stinky fish. Um, maybe, uh, maybe you've caught something like this before. <laughs> this poor guy. <laughs> don't you feel sorry for him? Oh, spending all that money in a brand new boat and tackle. $30,000 later, we get a little tiny fish like that. Or, or maybe, it's, maybe this is your situation. <laughs> you, you caught yourself an old boot. I don't know. Hey, uh, Jesus' ministry can be summed up really in a nutshell, and it's this. Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost. Let me say it again. Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost. And this morning, that includes all of us here. In fact, you might feel just like that old boot. You think, man, I'm not worth rescuing. But I want you to know today, everybody here is loved by Jesus Christ. Every single person here today is extremely precious and valuable in the sight of God. And if you were the only one, Jesus would come and die for you. Someone say amen to that. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Now, here's the thing. Jesus wants to seek and to save the lost. It's a big world out there. And so Jesus has a strategy. And what is his strategy? Jesus gathers around him a group of disciples, and and here's what he says to them. From now on, let's read it with me. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. This was Jesus' strategy. He gathers around himself a group of disciples, and he says, this is going to be the thing that you're going to do. You are going to be an extension of me, Jesus says. Would you say that this morning? I am an extension of Jesus. Say it with me. I am an extension of Jesus. That's right. Jesus has called you to be his representative, or if you will, his ambassador. You say, Pastor Allen, an ambassador represents one country to another country. Bingo. How many know that Jesus Christ is the king of kings and he has his own kingdom? Everybody understands that? And when the minute you became a Christian, you became a citizen of heaven. The minute you became a Christian, you became an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You go wherever you go, representing Christ. Isn't that right, Summer? Would you agree with that? Wherever we go, we represent Jesus Christ to a broken and hurting world. And so Jesus raises up these 12 disciples. He says, at the beginning of his ministry, you're going to go and make, you're going to go fish for people. You're going to go make disciples. At the end of his ministry, as you know, he says the same thing. Essentially, he says the same thing, only in slightly different words. You are going to go and make disciples. The net effect, of course, is that our job is to go and reach people, to share the gospel with people, and then teach them what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. And you're going to see in just a moment how utterly 
critical, how crucial it is that you and I take seriously the call of God to go and do exactly what Jesus is saying. Now, let me ask a question this morning. How effective was Jesus' strategy? How effective was it? You say, you know, Jesus came to this earth and all he reached was 11 people. Because remember, we lost one. And that's about it. Well, here's the thing, folks. If you go to Acts chapter 1, you'll discover that there is, in fact, 120. So three years of, of hard work, of traveling throughout the countryside, we've got 120 people who are 100% devoted to Jesus Christ. By Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. Peter stands up and preaches the gospel. Remember the scaredy cat, Peter, who was terrified by a little girl saying, you belong to Jesus, don't you? No, I don't, you little mm-mm-mm. That's exactly what he did. He, he cursed. Acts chapter 2, by the time we get to the end of Acts chapter 2, lo and behold, we've got 3,000 followers of Jesus Christ. Then you get to Acts chapter 4, and we've got like 5,000 believers. By the time you get to Acts chapter 21, we've got thousands and thousands of believers. By the time you get to 2018, we've got 2.2 billion believers on the planet. We've got 31% of the whole world's population that would identify as followers of Jesus Christ. Would you see that Jesus had a good strategy? Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. You and I are called to be part of Jesus' strategy. You and I are called to be people who fulfill what it is that Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to go and catch. Is it fish or is it people? What is it? People whom Jesus calls fish. Very good. Okay, it's kind of a trick question here, but you did it. Jesus has called us to go. If if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then your job is to go and tell people about Christ, to, to disciple them, to teach them what it means to follow Christ. This is our job. Now, The thing that you and I need to understand uh, is not all fish are good fish. You say, Pastor John, that sounds nasty. That that sounds not, that's, that's not kind. In the year 2018 of being politically correct, we're tempted to say all fish are good, right? Because we don't want to offend anybody. But I'm going to tell you that... If you don't know this yet about Jesus, he could be very offensive. How many know that Jesus is not politically correct? How many know that Jesus is a standard of righteousness? And Jesus is the standard of love. I'm going to guarantee you that everything that Jesus does and says is good and righteous. Do you believe that today? Because this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You understand that everything, everything, Jesus, that's in bold letters. It's highlighted. It's underlined. Everything Jesus says and does is good and righteous. Do we understand that? We're all in agreement with that. Listen, if you're, not a, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, that's fine. You're welcome to your opinion. But if you have put your faith in Christ, then you understand today that everything Jesus says and does is righteous and good. Really important that you get that because of what I'm going to share with you in just a moment. Some of you aren't going to like it. Some of you, in fact, might be offended. But listen, 
if you're a follower of Christ, you have to embrace all of Jesus. How many know you can't just embrace part of Jesus? You can't just take 99%. It's, it's all or nothing, baby. That's right. Isn't that, isn't that right, Sally? It's everything. So watch this. Watch this. Um, not all fish are good. Some are bad. And so I would ask you this morning, what kind of a fish are you? Are you a good fish or a bad fish? Now, most of us have our own definition of what good and bad would be. And I'm going to tell you right now that really what your opinion is on the subject doesn't really matter. Thanks a lot, Pastor Alan. Invite me to your church and then insult me. Look at your opinion and my opinion at the end of the day doesn't matter. You can't say I have my truth and you have your truth because that's a logical fallacy. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. If I say to David, David, what's two plus two? And David says, well, Pastor Allen, you should know that. That's four. And if I say to him, hold, hold on a minute here. I have my own truth. Two plus two is three for me. What's David going to say? Well, he's going to say, Pastor Allen, you're an idiot. Because <laughs> we know that two plus two can never be three. Two plus two is four. Now, it's really critical, really important that you understand what I'm saying today. We need to know what the righteousness of Christ is. We need to know what it is to be a good fish and what it is to be a bad fish. Especially if Jesus has called us to be in the business of fishing for people. Would you say amen to that? If we're in the business of fishing for people, then we need to understand what a good fish is and what a bad fish is. So let me just talk about this for a moment. I've been in the ministry for 35 years. I know most of you can't believe that. Uh, if, if I've been in the ministry for 35 years, uh, you know, I should have started when I was about three or four years old. I mean, I don't look that old. My, my brother's here today. He's completely gray. Uh, he looks far older than me. Uh, and he's going to get me for that after. But I'm going to tell you, 35 years of doing ministry, and I'm going to tell you that it has been bittersweet. And I'm going to tell you why. It's not because ministry is so difficult, because it really is. It really is hard being a pastor. I've been on call at this church for 25 years. 25 years, day and night, nonstop. Even when I go on vacation, I get calls. I've been on, really, literally on call for 25 years, nonstop. Here's, what's, here's what makes it bittersweet. The sweet part has been the numbers of people who have come to Christ, who have said, Pastor Allen, I'm open to you discipling me. I want to be taught. I want to be trained. And they go on and they serve God and they're committed. They, they love the Lord. They're involved. They're serving. They're tithing. They're supporting the church. They're supporting the work of God. That's the sweet part. You say, Pastor Allen, what's the bitter part? Well, it may surprise you. It's, the bitter part is not just people who've been maybe disloyal, been unkind or whatever, because that happens. Here's the, here's the bitter part. It's when people come to Christ and then turn their back on God. People who have sat in my home and, and, and ate with me at my table, and yet at the end of the day decided, no, I don't want any part of it. That is, that's heartbreaking. And yet this is a sad reality of life on this planet. Some people are going to serve God. Some people are going to love God. Some are going to embrace God. Some are going to go all the way with God. But some won't. 
In fact, Jesus tells a parable about that, a parable about that, about the sower and the seed. Some of that seed falls on, on hard soil and it can't penetrate and it, it just dies out. You've done all that effort spreading seed, investing in that seed. You know, I was talking about my grass earlier. Man, we've spent so much money on our grass. I mean, really, I could feed a small village in Africa for, for a year. It's just really quite sad. We put down grass, we put down earth, we've on and on and on. But you know the neat thing is that some of that grass really did take root. And it's lush and thick and beautiful and green. I could almost eat it, but I don't. Because <laughs> I wouldn't want anybody to go around and say, Pastor Allen eats grass. <laughs> Please understand something today. It's really critical that we understand this idea, this notion of good fish, bad fish. It's important that you understand whether you are a good fish or a bad fish. It's important for us to understand that in this life, as we're going around witnessing, sharing our faith with people, inviting them to church, and driving them to church, doing everything in our power to invest in their lives, that some just aren't going to stick with it. But some will. Hey, you know what really cheers my heart? Sitting right here in the front row is Summer, and that's Heidi, right? Yeah, that's right. You're sitting down so low, I can hardly see you. You might want to sit up a bit so I can talk about you more. There, that's it. <laughs> They're going on in their faith. They've been coming here for quite a while. Their parents don't come here, but we've invested in their lives, and they're still coming to church. Hey, let's give God a hand right now. Hey, that's for you, Heidi. You didn't have to clap. <laughs> We're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you are good fish going on with Jesus. And you know what I'm praying? I'm praying that you're going to keep on going on with Jesus. You're going to keep going on with Christ, right? You're never going to turn your back on him. Because if you do, all of us, we know who you are. We know where you live. (laughs) We're coming to get you. No, we're so glad you're here. The the bittersweet fact of the matter is, is that some people are good fish, some are bad. Some will go on with Christ and some won't. So Jesus tells a, a very important parable in Matthew chapter 14, or chapter 13, pardon me, that describes what I'm talking about today. Listen to this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. And when the net was full, they dragged it onto the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates, That's heaven. But threw the bad ones away. And then Jesus says these very shocking words. And I would say probably this is one of the more shocking parables. One of the more shocking things that Jesus says. Verse 49 of chapter 13 of Matthew. It says that is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous. Throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things? Yes, they said, we do. Then Jesus said, oh, and by the way, every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. Now, I want you to see something here this morning. He tells us clearly that not everyone 
who is in the church, not everyone who is exposed to the gospel, not everyone who becomes a member of the church, not everyone who becomes a pastor, not everyone who goes to Bible school, not everyone who says, I am a Christian, is in fact a Christian. Not everyone who says, I belong to Jesus, actually belongs to to Jesus. You'll notice that it says that this net that's thrown out, it's called a drag net. It's got weights on one end of the, of the net so that when they throw that net out, it actually falls right to the, to the floor. Um, or as deep as the water, can, as the, as the net can go. And then it literally catches everything. Catches all kinds of people. And I, I'm gonna tell you, I've seen all kinds of people come and go through our church. There's some people who come, they're on fire for God. Oh, praise Jesus. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then before long, it all peters out, and I can't depend on them anymore. I'm going to pass around. You can count on me. Turns out I can't. Hey, look it. At the end of the day, you're not serving Alan Duncalf. And this is where a lot of people get mixed up. You're not serving me. You're not serving Janet. You're serving Jesus. When you show up on Sunday morning to teach Sunday school, when you show up on Sunday morning to help in the, in the parking lot, even when it rains, you're not doing it for Barry. You're not doing it for me. You're doing it for Jesus. Right? Hello? Do you understand this? This is what Jesus asked. Do you understand this? Problem is, is so many people don't. You showed up for church today. You came because you know that that's what Jesus wants you to do. My mom's here today, not just because her son's the pastor, but she's here because she loves Jesus. Because she wants to worship God. She's here for Christ's sake. It's important that you understand this. Because at the end of the day, the bad fish, Jesus says, will be thrown away, will be, in fact, Let me just word it for you the way Jesus worded it. Throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Pastor Allen, are you actually talking about hell right now? Yes. Pastor Allen, I didn't think we talked about hell in the year 2018. At Cross Church, we talk about everything that Jesus talks about. Right? Even if it's unpalatable. Hey, look, there are certain implications that we have to consider as we look at this passage of Scripture. First of all, don't stop fishing just because you caught a few bad fish. And when I say bad fish, I'm not saying that you're saying that's a, it's a necessarily a bad person in the sense that they're nasty and mean or ugly. That's not what I'm saying. When I talk about bad fish, I'm talking about fish that just simply don't want Jesus. Just refuse Christ outright. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, even Jesus had a failure rate of 8.33%. What are you talking about, Pastor Allen? He called 12 and he lost one. One just said, nah, I'd rather make money off this situation. I'd rather make money off of Jesus. And how many know that there are actually TV evangelists that are doing exactly the same thing? Oh, yeah, we all know that. We've all seen the documentaries. 
So just because you catch a few bad fish doesn't mean you, you're packing it in. You're not going to say, I'm not doing this anymore. What a waste. I had one guy that I invested so much time into him and then just turned his back on God. Hey, remember, when you are fishing for people, when you're investing in people's lives, you're doing it as unto God. You're doing it for Christ's sake. And if that person, remember we learned last week, if that person rejects you, they're not really rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. That's what Jesus said, right? Said that in Luke. And Jesus said, and if they reject me, they're rejecting God. Really important that you understand that this morning. And so, that's the first implication. There are going to be some bad fish. You know, we, we've got, I don't know how many young people coming to youth now. Um, I think if, if they're all there at once, I think we're going to be probably about 35, 40. It's really quite wonderful. And... Uh, Oh, by the way, can I just give a shout out to Reese? Reese, are you in the build? Are you in the sanctuary? Reese, are you in here? Sit in the back there. You can't see him, but I mean, Reese was there Friday night setting up before anybody got here, taking all the all these chairs taken down, and then he's here Saturday help with the kid with the kids doing their their, their car wash, and then he's here this morning helping with worship. Uh, can we just say thank you to Reese this morning? Reese, if you don't feel valued, I can't help you. <laughs> we value, we appreciate so much. And there's others that have been investing and giving and sharing. But I want to especially point that out because he's been serving here faithfully. And why is he doing it? He doesn't get a paycheck for it. He's doing it because he loves Jesus. It's unto the Lord. So the first thing then is that just because you catch a bad fish doesn't mean you should stop fishing. We're going to keep going at it. We're going to keep on investing. We're going to keep on working. We keep on throwing the net out. We're going to keep on dragging that net in. Here's the next thing you need to consider. There is going to be a day of judgment coming. And that's what Jesus says here, Matthew 13, 49. Let's turn that slide. Jesus, that is why it will be, that's, that is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous. Okay, so I don't know what your belief system is or what, you, what your notions or ideas have been up to this point, but I want to declare to you clearly that there is a day of judgment coming. Tell the person beside you there's a day of judgment coming. Yeah. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous. That day is coming. And we know that. Because Jesus says this repeatedly. He warns us of this repeatedly. In the Sermon on the Mount, what does Jesus say? He talks about the fact that there's some people who will take the narrow road and go through the narrow gate, which leads to heaven. And there's people who will take the wide road that leads to hell. It's a road. It's a wide road that leads to destruction, it says. It's the easy road. It's the easy way. It's the way the crowd's going. It's the way everybody wants to go. It's the fun way. It's the attractive way. It's the way where I will have the the maximum amount of self-satisfaction. That wide road, it's all about me. And Satan is laughing his head off as you are merely skipping down the wide road that leads to hell. How many know what I'm talking about? And you know, you know... Most of us are adults here. You know by instinct, the thing that makes you happy, that brings great joy to your, your heart, is not living for yourself. It's living for Jesus. It's living for others. That's why Reese is hanging out here Friday night when 
he could be out having, having a ball doing what other guys are doing his age. That's why he gets up early Saturday morning to hang out at a car wash and then up early Sunday morning to be here helping us with worship. The wide road leads to destruction. The narrow road leads to heaven. And here's what Jesus says, and this might shock you. Only a few find it. So let me ask you, do you belong to the few? I'm thinking thinking of doing a, a sermon series on that. A few good men and women. Because it's a few. It's a few. And then Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats. He's, there's definitely a separation time coming. It's a day of judgment. Now, by the way, humans don't do this. We're not the ones that do the judging. How many know that today? It's not your place to go around judging. Well, you're a good fish and you're a bad one and you're a good one. You're a bad one. You're a bad one. You're a bad one. You're a good one. Bad. No, we don't do that. Because I haven't got the ability to judge your heart, and you don't have the ability to judge my heart. That's why Jesus says, don't call me good. In fact, you haven't got the ability to call anybody good, because you don't know what's in a man's heart. So don't say, Pastor Allen's a good man. Hello? (laughs) And I'm not going to say you're a good man or a good woman either. Jesus is the one that judges, and there's that day of judgment coming. What's my job? My job is simply to go on doing what Jesus has called me to do, and that is to go and fish for people, to introduce people to Jesus Christ, and then let Jesus deal with them. Critical that you understand that. How many have heard of the parable of the wheat in the tares, or the wheat in the weeds? And the question is, should we pull up those weeds? Should we pull those weeds out of the church? Should we get rid of those bad people? Jesus, no, no, no. Because I don't know if you really know what you're doing. Let me do that. That's what Jesus is saying. Yeah, I, went guard, I went weeding in my grandma's garden. And she, she came out. And she, she wanted me to go weeding. Like, like all grandmothers want their grandkids to weed. You know what weeding is? Some of you, I'm not talking about weed. I'm talking about pulling, pulling weeds out of your garden. You know what I'm talking about? And she, she, she came and watched me pulling weeds up, and, uh, and I was actually, actually pulling up some of her flowers. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know which ones were the weeds, which ones were the flowers. I think she thought that that was my way of getting out of weeding. I'm not sure. But anyway, their judgment day is coming, and Jesus is the righteous judge. And he's the one that's looking at people's hearts. He's the one that will determine who's in and who's out. But well, there's a third thing that I need to, you to need you to see, um, and it's it's the next verse, of verse 50. Throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hey, there's some some pastors, some theologians, uh, some some people who think they're theologians. Rob Bell, some of you may know that name. He didn't believe in hell. It's interesting because. Uh, if you, if you have read the New Testament, you'll know that Jesus speaks about hell more often than he speaks about heaven. In fact, he speaks more vividly about hell than he does about heaven. Now, should we just say, hey, Jesus didn't know what he was talking about, or we're more, we're more enlightened today, and we, we need to go back and revise the scripture because Jesus didn't really know what he was talking about? That's ludicrous, isn't it? Because where does that stop? John MacArthur says that Jesus talked more about hell than he did about love, which is very interesting because God is love. R.C. Sproul, some of you may know his name. He was a 20th century, into this century, 
It's a theologian, a preacher, a teacher. And somebody asked him, R.C., what for you is the most difficult doctrine? He says, without a question, it's the doctrine of hell. It's hard to get my head around that. And yet every time I go through the New Testament, I know and recognize beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is a hell. Hey, I want to point something out to you right now. When we understand that there is a day of judgment coming, when we understand that there is a punishment coming for those who have not put their faith in Christ, suddenly that motivates us to do what Jesus told us to do in the first place. And what was that? To go fishing. To go seeking to save what was lost. Hey, we're sitting here today, and I'm going to ask you, what's the condition of your family? What's the condition of your kids and your grandkids? That used to be something that was really important to, to we Pentecostals back about 50 years ago. And very quietly, we got really sophisticated. And we don't want to talk about this anymore. But let me ask you this. What's the condition of your own heart? You see, what you don't maybe understand is that there is... There's a judgment that waits for every single one of us. Every one of us, according to Genesis chapter 3, has got a sentence on us, a life sentence, a death sentence. That's what it said, didn't it? You remember that in Genesis 3 where God clearly tells Adam and Eve, if you sin, you're going to die. Hey, when you're born, you're born with a death sentence hanging over your head. An eternity without God, an eternity of what we would call hell. Now, hey, I'm going to tell you right now, I can't get my head around this. I can't get my head around this. All I know is that if Jesus said there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth, I don't want that. Now, I know some of you are sitting here saying, Pastor Allen, if this is what the Christian what Christianity is about, I don't even know if I want Christianity. Hey, you're going to have to stop then and do some very serious accounting for your own life and how you live your life. The fact is that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't just embrace Jesus, you embrace his teaching. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Now, some of us have grown up with this, and it's, it's, you know, it's second nature almost to us. We have no problem embracing it. But for those of us who are kind of new to this, it's just really quite off-putting. But you have to understand this. If we don't accept the reality of hell then we won't understand the magnificent of the gospel message. We won't recognize, listen to this, we won't understand or recognize how critical it is that we get out there and win souls for Christ. Look at for Jesus Christ, it was so important that he left the splendors of heaven and he came to pitch his tent among us. He came to dwell among us, to bring to us, the life-giving, the life-saving message of the gospel. Folks, it's critical. It's so critical that we understand what's at stake. Souls are at stake. And I'm going to tell you, it's not just bringing hope and light to people who are living right now. But we're talking about an eternity separated from God. C.S. Lewis said, 
Just being separated from God alone is, is hell enough. Hey, how many of us, when we're sick and when we're, when we're broken and when we're hurting and when we're upset and we're depressed, we find ourselves crying out to Jesus, God, help me, help me. But can you imagine never being able to ever call on God ever again? That's hell. But Jesus says it's far worse than that. Please understand something today. You and I are called to respond to a loving Savior. Can I just remind everybody, this, this may shock some of you. God doesn't send anybody to hell. Because God has given you and me a free will. The ability to choose. And God says you can choose the wide road that leads to destruction, or you can choose the narrow road, road that leads to heaven. This is your choice. People choose their eternity. An interviewer was interviewing a punk rocker. It happened to be a, a young woman. And he said to her, I, I noticed that almost all your lyrics have to do with death. And she said, and he said, why would that be? And her answer was, because I love death. And I love the fact of what's going to happen when I die. I love the fact that I'm going to be partying forever with all my friends I'm going to be with Satan himself. It's shocking, isn't it? She's dead serious. I thought she was joking, but she was dead serious. That's her choice. Now, that's an extreme case, but I'm going to tell you right now, that's everybody's choice. You, God says, here am I. Come to me, all you who are broken, all you who are heavy laden, all you who are weary, and I'm going to give you rest. Come to me. Don't say I'm not good enough. Come as you are, because I love you. And that's, that's the alternative, the fiery furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, folks, here's the thing. When you and I are born, you know, sometimes when I'm dedicating babies, I think to myself, here's a, here's a little life that needs to come to Jesus. Here's a little life that needs to be converted, that needs to be born again. Born once, but it needs to be born again. Hey, if you haven't been born again yet, you need to come and talk to me. Because I don't want you to ever have to experience this. And neither does Jesus. That's why Jesus came. He came so that you would have a chance to be free, to be set free. So we need a rescuer. And folks, quite frankly, we're down to two options. Either we stay in the present state that we're in, a state of wickedness and of eternal punishment, or we submit to Jesus and accept his gift of redemption. Folks, this is why we preach the gospel. This is why, you know, this is why we, we serve as we do. That's why so many volunteer their time. Because you are interested in the big picture, and that is that many people come to Christ. So let me just quickly remind you of what a good fish is. Because some of you are sitting here today saying, Pastor Alan, I'm a good fish because I come to church every Sunday, and I serve in the parking lot even when it rains. Hello. And I'm serving God in the kingdom even in the summertime, so I must be good. And I give a good offering. I give at least five bucks a week. I'm a good person. 
Hey, can I just remind you of something right now? A good person is known not by their actions alone, but by their faith in Jesus Christ. Did you get that? So let me ask you, are you a good fish? You say, Pastor Allen, please just remind me what a good fish is. Well, good fish are not the most knowledgeable fish. They're not the ones that have got the, all the books of the Bible named and they could recite them. They're not the ones that have memorized the most scripture verses. They're not the ones that are serving in the church every day of the week. They're not the ones who give the most money. They're not the ones that show the most hospitality. Hey, if, if I could work my way into heaven, I know for sure I'm getting there. And some of you would say, yeah, that, that's me too, Pastor Allen. That's not what gets us into heaven. That might come as a big shock to some of you. What gets us into heaven? The scribes and the Pharisees, they were sure that they were going to heaven because of the great works that they did, because of their great knowledge. And Jesus said, you, you teachers of the law, you're just a brood of snakes. You're, you're children of Satan. You are not good fish. That's what Jesus is saying. Well, then if the scribes and the Pharisees who know the Bible backward and forward and live perfectly according to the law, if they can't make it into heaven, how on earth, Pastor Allen, am I ever going to make it into heaven? Well, I'm glad you asked me that question. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 27. And uh, it says, can we boast then? That we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on what? On faith. So what what Paul is saying here is that my faith is not in me. It's not in my ability. And I'm going to tell you, if anybody should have made it to heaven, it would be the apostle Paul. Because this guy is zealous for God. He's... He's persecuting those who he perceives as hating God. He knows the Bible forward and backward. In fact, he even wrote a good portion of the New Testament. This guy is brilliant. But he says, that's not what guarantees that I make it into heaven. I'm not putting my faith in myself, in my ability, in my superior capacity, my superior wisdom, my superior brain. I'm not putting my faith in myself. Who's Paul putting his faith in? Jesus. Because Paul says, no matter how good I think I am, I'm never quite good enough. But but Paul says, I know who is good enough. I know the sinless one. His name is Jesus. And look at this. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sin, And the Bible declares that you are a good fish. I wonder how many good fish we have here today. Are you one of the people that would say with me, if it were not for Jesus, I'd have no hope of heaven. Would you say that with me today? Those who put their faith in Christ, who say, I believe Jesus died for me. I believe that I 
needed Jesus to die for me. Those are the people who belong to Christ. But can I just remind everybody one more thing? This is the fine print. How many know how important the fine print is in any contract? Jesus says that the proof that you put your faith in Christ is that now you are following him. Now you are living like he lives. Now you're doing what he did. And by the way, that is precisely why we teach people the seven habits. Because it's the habits of Jesus. I want you to follow Christ. Because I want you to be good fish. Hey, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, when we first rolled out those seven habits, I had a lot of pushback. People, oh, I don't think that's necessary. And these are laws and these are rules and these are commands. No, it's not at all. It's just a, it's discipleship. It's teaching you what it means to follow Jesus. It's living like him. You put your faith in Christ. That's when you're saved. And the proof that you're, but you put your faith in Jesus is you're falling in his footsteps. Amen? Amen. Or as Jesus would say, do you understand all these things? They said, we do. Do you understand all these things? If you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you're following in his footsteps, you're ready to do whatever Jesus did, then I'm going to declare today that you are good fish and you are safe in the arms of Jesus. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, that your word is life and truth. Thank you, God, that it transforms us. Father, today, uh, even as we're standing here, some of some maybe not sure whether they're good fish or not. We pray, God, that you would help that person talk to me or one of our elders and just settle that question once and for all. My prayer, God, is that everybody here, everybody who comes to this church would put their faith in Jesus Christ in his righteousness. And start following in Christ's footsteps. And Father, the other thing we have to address is the fact that many of us have got friends and family members. We've got neighbors that there's a good chance they're not good fish. They're not ready to meet Christ. They're not ready to be judged or sorted, as the parable says. Father, would you do a work in our hearts and, and birth in us a sense of urgency, the need to get out there and, and, and win people for Christ as, as Jesus commanded. Jesus called us to go and catch fish, Lord, so that they would belong to you forever. So we thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit working in us and through us. We pray that in Christ's name. And everyone said it with me. Amen. Tell the